Hey guys, welcome back to the Hustle and Grind podcast. This is Jason again, and I'm in the studio as normal with Ryan. And we got a special guest this week. We got Andrea DeLeon. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I know it's it's a Mexican name, so yeah. Okay. Andrea DeLeon, but I don't expect anyone to roll their R's. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I'm close familiar. Enough, enough, yeah. I'm familiar with you from hearing your name, but... Um, I'm not super mm-hmm. familiar with what all you do. I've looked on your Instagram and it seems like you're into a ton of stuff. So we'll we'll get into yeah. all that. It, you seem extra super duper busy. <laughs> yeah, I try to stay busy for sure. So what are you in the middle of right now? What's your main project you're working on? Right now, I've been working on a like a pretty big dagger for a friend of mine uh, using some uh, Nick Angé steel. Um, it's kind of been put on hold this summer. It was got a little busy. Uh, I got put on uh, a movie project doing props for a movie here in town. So, I mean, nice. those that, those kind of jobs are like consume every minute of your life. So, um, it's been fun That's though. Badass. Yeah, making crazy weapons that I would, you know, never actually exist in real life. But yeah, are you allowed to talk about what movie it is? I don't. Uh, I didn't sign an NDA, but um, I mean, let's just. I mean, uh, Robert Rodriguez has like a, a studio based in, here in town, so like, I guess you can. Oh, it's a Robert put Rodriguez it, film. Put it together, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like uh, has his studio here, so. You're like famous. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's cool to to be like I don't know. There's a lot of I'm a big fan, so just to see like you know cars and stuff that he's used in his previous movies and stuff, um, it's pretty mind blowing. Um, but yeah, I've been I've just been super consumed with that and doing a lot of traveling too. So um, trying to get as much in before the semester starts um, in mid August. So yeah. Where where are you based out of? Austin, Texas. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. That's the new hotspot, yeah. huh? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that when Rogan moved? Mm-hmm. Yeah, him and like half of California. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's changed a lot for sure. I've been dipping in and out, and I've been it's like crazy to see. Like, I'll be gone for a couple months on you know a random fabrication job, and I'll come back, and it'll be like more condos, more hipsters, uh, <laughs> more expensive stuff, like unaffordable coffee, all that all that jazz. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seven dollar coffee gets old. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. <laughs> there was one thing you posted that I really, really wanted to know more about, and it was a video of you in front of this monstrous glass lathe, <laughs> like with this huge glass tube that you were working on. It had to have been four feet in diameter, or something like that. What What was that? What was that all about? Um. So I uh, also I'm like trained in uh, quartz fabrication so I worked as a scientific glassblower in Chicago for a few summers um I was supposed to go back for like another three years but uh COVID like totally obliterated that job opportunity in the summers um but basically uh that was a like probably the biggest most terrifying machine I've ever worked on um it's uh I'm, I, I'm assuming it's that one the one that takes up like a whole room is that mm-hmm. the one you're talking it was, about yeah it was it looked like the hadron collider yeah yeah everyone calls it the stargate um <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's what it looks like for sure it's a huge Herbert Arnold lathe I was really excited to work on I'm a huge fan of Herbert Arnold in general they uh are, it's a German company that makes torches and lace, uh, but you know how they, German engineering, they dial everything in perfectly. Um, so that lathe had like a 28 foot bed on it. Um, and it was just like huge, uh, a 21 inch bore. So that means, uh, you can fit up to 21 inch, uh, OD glass in there. Um, and so basically my job was to resize, uh, it was the first step in the process for whatever they were making. Uh, for the semiconductor industry. So my job was to get the tubing. Uh, they're like 12 foot lengths. I had to load the machine myself. Um, this is my COVID job when everything was like imploding. I was just happy to like have a job. Right. Um, so I just had to like 
get up and, and do this really intimidating thing. Um, but basically I would, I would, uh, make tubing that was around like, you know, know, six or seven inches, um, to like, everything was in millimeters. So it was usually 44, 441 millimeters, uh, within like half a millimeter, half a millimeter tolerance. So I had to like change the whole size of the tube. So basically I would fuse it using like those 10 two inch burners. Um, there's like five on each side. Um, and the temperature is like up to like, I don't know, starts melting at around 300, 3000, sorry, <laughs> degrees. Um, but I think it's more like 3,500, um, when it's actually Damn. going in there. But uh, it basically, like, melts the glass and it spins it really fast at, like, around 110 RPM. And it basically flares it open. And then I have to control the, the machine to compress it in order to get the right wall thickness. So you, you're literally, like, resizing the stock material that you get from, from the shop. So, um, and then they cut it, splice it, and use it on relatively smaller lathes. They're actually still huge. But... Um, they often use like hydrogen to do a lot of their work because it's just quartz is is a completely different animal than any other kind of glass. That's crazy. Yeah. So those it are would, quartz tubes; they're not glass. Yes, yeah, all quartz. Yeah. So it's crystal. That's awesome. That sounds yeah, dangerous it, as hell. But it it was. <laughs> it was I mean, uh, if you notice in some of the videos, like the walls are white. It's all vaporized silica. Um, and it often, every now and then it would like snow silica and you'd have to like power wash everything. Um, so it wouldn't contaminate, wouldn't like, like get on the glass and make imperfections in it. Um, cause optics are like really important in that industry. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, and it's like the glass did explode while it was running at 110 RPMs, like I don't know, like three or four times where I would just like dip the hell out of that room. Yeah. <laughs> that happened. Um, Cause you know, there's glass just does that. It explodes when it's unhappy. <laughs> so what was the yeah. goal of doing that? Like you're taking this giant stock and resizing it. What's mm-hmm. the ultimate purpose for that to turn into? Uh, again, this is like for the semiconductor industry. They're, they're very also secretive about, the final products, a lot of the glass blowers there, like, don't even know. They have the specs and they have the drawings, but they don't understand. Like, no one knows what's actually going on in there. Because, like, a lot of the clients are, like, Siemens or, like, universities or, like, people that are, you know, making basically computer chips, right? So the, a lot of that stuff is super proprietary. Um, but my job is just to, like, make stuff to spec. So a lot of the stuff in uh, I was doing in Chicago was – I mean, it was smaller scale. It was still, like, working on, like, a Heathway or, like, these, these big, large glass lathes. Not that huge, but um, but me, making custom apparatuses for research and development. So I could post, like, stuff about, like, the process, but I couldn't really post, like, final products of the stuff because it, it was all, like, secret research stuff, you know. Um, so basically they yeah, were like, make this, but you don't need to know why. Cut deal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I enjoyed kind of picking apart the apparatuses, especially when I was working for for Honeywell, because um, I don't know. Like, usually, if you're trying to make money with glass, um, it's I was, I, you know, it's usually like you know weed paraphernalia that you know is your bread and butter. But I I was just so interested in like finding out, like contributing to uh, the research and like discovering like stuff about dark matter or like contributing to battery research and trying to like save the planet in like some way, you know, um, it was, it was pretty interesting. Uh, these massive problems that these, um, industries are trying to make, you know, yeah. Solutions to those at least. Yeah. That's super dope. Um, that, that's yeah. like way cooler than our last guest. And he was a firefighter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is super important too, man. Someone's got to do it. But uh, yeah, it's a really uh, interesting and like rare trade. And that's kind of why I got into it because not, um, not a lot of people know how to do it. So like, I know I'll always have a job because there's, there's a huge demand. I, I mean, I think that's the case for a lot of the, the trades in general. Um, there's just 
not enough people to fill them and like all the people that know how to do these jobs are about to retire and like none of the knowledge is getting passed on and so there's this weird gap in like demand for these kinds of jobs but yeah that's definitely like people are always going to need um a glass blower to make stuff like that for specific for industry. it's a small niche obviously but it's an important one so yeah. we're not going to get into the whole how'd you get started thing because i'm sure that's out there been beaten <laughs> down a million times over but I, mm-hmm. i'm curious as to did you want to get started in glass is that like something you had a passion for or is it something you kind of ran across and then fell in love with or what got you going at the level where you're at as to where um, it's not just a hobby, you know, making little one hitters out in the carport. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, that's just like quick, quick cash. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, Hey, people enjoy them. Um, so I started making them again. Uh, I, the simple answer to like most of the things that I do is I'm a huge pyromaniac, like huge. Um, so even in art school, like I focused more on like welding and, uh, metals and stuff like that. And so it was just like a natural progression that I was interested in glass as a material. Um, it's also requires an extreme amount of heat precision. Uh, you need to know like the, the material properties. So it's a lot of like physics behind, it's just like common sense. Once you know the physics of any material, like you can start to manipulate it. And then all of the rest from there is just practice. But generally, I would just, like, the minute I saw that you could, like, like, that glass slates existed, um, I was in love. I was like, I want one of those. Like, I definitely want to play with one of those. Um, And just, like, all the tooling. I'm also just, like, a tool nerd. So, like, they have a lot of specialized torches and the carriage burners and the processes and techniques um, involved with, with glass specifically. And there's a lot of overlap also with like jewelry and welding, like of course, specifically like, uh, it acts more like a metal than it does glass. So, um, yeah, that's, that's basically why, uh, out of college, we didn't have glass in, uh, undergrad, but, um, I started working for grav labs here in Austin, uh, making pipes and one hitters and stuff in uh, production, uh, for for a while, and then I uh, started machining. After that, it was just like a an easy progression. So, well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a dumb question because I'm down here in South Georgia. There's no glass blowers or fancy industry. Like I'm one of them rednecks that just don't know about certain things. So I've seen in some of your videos, you've got this tube hanging out of your mouth. Now, is oh, that yeah. blowing air into the glass? Is that the glass blowing part of it? Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. I can control the pressure uh, with that tube. Um, so I sometimes I even use that when I'm flame working on like just with my hands on, on the stationary torch. Um, but yeah, basically, I have to like cork, um, cork one end of the tube. And then my blow hose will be connected on the other side. And that way I can uh, basically work in the wall weight. So when I splice something together, um, you know, I can just like start working in by by breathing in and out, right? Um, I can like work work in that weld and make sure that's like a proper bond between um, both both pieces of glass. How long um, is that hose to where you're not just sucking in fire? <laughs> you know what? You're, I do a demo um, often <laughs> on, on this where like I do like suck in and like it's not it's not hot at all, not at all. Like you're not really. Unless you're creating, like, really, really thin glass that's, like, pretty much vaporizing, that's the only, like, real real danger when it, like, you know, um, you blow it too thin and then, like, that, you know, that's the only, like, silica that's exposed. But really, it's not hot at all. Like, actually, the most annoying part is when the blow hose actually gets, like, tangled up in a knot and then it creates a vacuum. And then whatever you were working on, like, implodes in on itself. And so, like, the hours of work you just put in, like, just goes to shit. So. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. I first saw yeah. it, I was like, man, she's wearing one of them camelback things, like, with some drinks. I wonder <laughs> if she's got whiskey in there. I mean, a lot of people uh, <laughs> think that. I mean, I, I mean, I should be doing that while I'm on glass. It's so hot out here. It's so stupid. Like, um, but, yeah. 
She starts switching over the night shift. There you go. Yeah. I made a Christmas ornament one time. Oh yeah, those are yeah. those are deceiving. Yeah, they're pretty fun to make, but also mine broke. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. does that. Glass breaks all the time. It yeah. does. You get it ready, and then and then the cool down process it cracked. Oops. Yeah, I think that's another reason why I like it so much. It's it's probably the hardest material I've ever worked with. Like you can do everything right, the stars can be aligned, and then like right at the end, it'll like pink, like just you know crack. Um, so when you actually nail it, it's like feels really good. Um, it uh, it makes like metalworking and knives sound like child's play. Yeah. The temperatures are way higher. The material's way more delicate. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like the ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, there is a lot of um, like similar properties as far as, you know, like, uh, you know, when you're trying to heat treat steel, for example, the process of annealing it or like, even the the crystallization of the grains and all that stuff, like similar stuff is happening in glass. The, the only the difference is that it's like the structure is amorphous. Just considered like what is it like an amorphous solid, right? So I mean, you have to anneal glass the same way. Um, it's just unforgiving. Like steel will like stay in one piece normally, um, <laughs> <laughs> normally on uh, when even when there is stress in the material but like glass will just explode when it's like too stressed out so you know custom glass like mm-hmm. weird shapes there's a person in the mall here in town that's in there every now and then and they do like little dragons or whatever just real quick little things and sell them for five or ten dollars is there a production method of doing that kind of stuff or is anything like that you see been hand blown I mean, yeah, there's a lot of those processes have been, for example, um, like industrialized for sure. I mean, uh, that's how a lot of them, they make molds and then like, you know, you gather glass, just like kind of like that, uh, that show in Blown Away, you know, where they have like that giant furnace Mm -hmm. and then they like have these uh, cast iron molds that they like just pop in, create another one. Um, So industry has found a way to like, definitely mass produce certain items as far as what you're talking about that is like the closest thing to like production is just sitting there and like making a hundred little dragons um, (laughs) at a time um so i mean it's i'm sure you guys have you guys make stuff like production is production is like still some of it is still handmade you can um outsource or like certain parts of the processes but um those items still have to be made one by one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we walk into gas stations down here, and every gas station, unless it's like the one big chain gas station, there's like glass cases slammed full of dildos (laughs) and pipes and, you know, bongs and everything in the world you can think of that's made out of glass. Yeah, I think about that, too. I mean, I see that stuff, too. Like, yeah, someone sits there all day and makes those, like, one after another. Yeah. I, sometimes I can't believe the price. I'm like, I wouldn't sell that at that <laughs> price. Like, no way. Like, just, like, the oxygen alone that it, like, requires. I, I go through, when I'm doing a lot of glass, I, I just go through my tea tanks, like, so fast. You know, so are you just burning straight oxygen doing glass? No, it's propane and oxygen. Okay. But, um, it eats up just, you know, the PSI is higher. It just, like, eats up through. A lot of glassblowers actually have liquid oxygen, but um, it's like a, a, another ordeal, and it, like, off-gasses every once in a while. I just have, like, three or four tea tanks at a time ready to go. Nice. Yeah. So let's talk about your knives. Yeah. I know that you've worked with Steve Swarzer quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. Um, what's he like? He is amazing. <laughs> I uh, talk with him all the time. Uh, just a gem of a human. Also, just don't ever want to be on his bad side either. Um, but, you know, he's, he's just a wealth of knowledge. I think that when I first met him, um, you know, it's like kind of hard to gauge. Like I, Neil Kimimura, like flew me down there and we were working, like we were collaborating. Like I was working with Steve, he was working with Laura. Um, and so like, I noticed that like they were, um, I don't know, giving a lot of the processes to Neil cause Neil like forges like super fast. Um, and 
like I had to just kind of like take the reins and like get on that Chambersburg just to be like, I'm not this delicate flower. (laughs) I want to play with a big hammer. Um, and started just talking more metallurgy, right? Like through conversations, like, uh, exchanging different processes. This is another, uh, overlap here with the glass. Like the way they make Marini is the same way they make canister Damascus, right? Um, it's the same theory, like exact same different, um, different metals in a, in a, you know, giant canister and then it gets drawn out, you know? Um, so, uh, that's, that's when like, you know, it, it was just like instant chemistry with both Steve and Laura. Um, I have so much respect for Laura as well, man. Like she's, she's incredible and has like earned all the, all the cred for sure. Um, trailblazer for especially women in the industry. Um, yeah, definitely learned a lot from him and keep learning from him. I've never spoken to him. Like he doesn't know that I exist, but he seems like he's got the unspoken, like grandfather role in the knife making community, you know, like, like, you know, there's like, and then if you wanted to put it into like a family type scenario, like if he was the grandfather, then there's the Jason Knights who are like, the uncles, you know, <laughs> the uncles. <laughs> somewhere in there. You know what? Yeah, I think you're exactly. That's actually hitting it on the nose. That's how I feel about them. You know, um, in in a, it's like pretty appropriate to say. Um, I know Steve um, has had such a reputation in the knife world for sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of just mind blowing that. You know, um, people have a rapport with them. That's what I love about the knife making community. Everyone is so open and like welcoming and um, just chill. Like, there's yeah, there's there's ego in every industry that you fall in, but mostly I haven't really found it to be like that big of an issue with the knife community. You know, like I don't know. I, it's just been. I thought I was going to get a lot of resistance when I started making it, or just you know, you know how it is, just. The gender fact alone, um, being in any kind of fabrication shop is, is a thing that you just deal with. Right. But, and I was like expecting some of that when I started making knives and it was the exact opposite. It was just, people were super stoked, really encouraging me sharing all the knowledge. Like I was at, at this, I'm mostly self-taught. I like maybe, uh, trained with, uh, with someone who's like with the, like for a week, you know, uh, Thomas Rucker, he's like this grumpy old veteran that I like bugged and let him help me help him out in the shop. And other than that, it was just like, got to figure this out somehow. So, yeah, I haven't seen any sexism in the knife making community. Some of the top tier makers are all women. I mean, there's you, uh, Wildcraft knives. She's awesome. Olivia's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. Uh, her work blows my mind, you know. And Delana, then, uh, um, Veronique. Oh, my God, Veronique. She's amazing. Yeah. Kayla Cumming, she's another one who's up there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah there's Two a, times there's naked a lot. and afraid. There's a lot of yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, some, I wouldn't do that. Hell no. She's got yeah. some balls for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. thank you. <laughs> eaten by mosquitoes and you're stark naked and, like, you got a production crew watching you all day and hanging out with somebody yeah. you don't even know who's also naked and getting eaten alive. Yeah, D- yeah. She's tough, yeah. I don't know what they pay you, but it ain't worth it. <laughs> Me neither, yeah. I don't oh, think yeah. you get anything unless you win, right? I have, yeah, yeah, I don't think you do. I mean, I even think you don't get paid much for Forge and Fire. It's like, I don't know. I don't think you get paid at all unless you win on Forge and Fire. Right, right. That's kind yeah. of brutal too, because yeah. most of the guys on Fortune Fire, they're not like wealthy. You know, they're dude. Well, you don't get into this to be wealthy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's like, be honest. Losing two weeks of pay yeah. to pretty much anybody on that show, with the exception of a couple of names, is a yeah. big deal. You know, I yeah. think they should all get something. Well, they yeah, just I changed agree. it. Grand second round, you get two grand. Everyone else on that production is getting paid. Yeah. For sure. Well, they changed uh, it not long ago where second place can keep their knife to where they can take it home and, you know, sell it or finish it and sell it or whatever. They ooh. used to have to surrender their <laughs> weapon, you know. 
But um, that's, that's still the knife not. making equivalent of a pizza party. Exactly. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah. give him a couple grand. You can afford it. It's forged in fire. There's like 20 fucking seasons. Who's going to post up like Dude, this is the losing yeah, blade? I, I honestly don't really watch <laughs> it, but I'm impressed how many episodes there are. I'm like, holy crap. Like, there's a lot of knife makers. Yeah. Yeah. I think B. Cone's going to be on there soon. Really? He said something about it. He's doing like a mock forged in fire at his house so he can prepare. Well, I don't I don't think you can talk about even recording it until like your episode is time to air. Oh, maybe that's just I don't know then. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we got uh we got a sponsor we got to shout out real quick, Phoenix Abrasives. Well, do you you ever heard of Phoenix Abrasives? I have. I use them actually. Yeah. Um, well, Phoenix yeah. Abrasives is an awesome sponsor of the show, and they're your one stop shop for all your abrasive needs. And you can find them online at phoenixabrasives dot com. Use the promo code Hustle Ten get ten percent off your order. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm going to use that. There you go. <laughs> do it up. Yeah, we say it's like free shipping. You know what I mean? If you order a hundred dollars yeah. worth of belts, it's going to save you about ten bucks. Most yeah. of the time, I'm never ordering less than a hundred dollars worth. Yeah, no. me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, have it's like yeah. a free shipping code. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, all the all the abrasives. So I know sure. I know you travel and you do things and all these other shops and stuff. I want to hear about your shop, like your personal shop. What do you got going on there? So I have. Um, I specifically chose my my shop for the ventilation that was like a huge thing like i wanted to make sure um that there's enough like cross breeze and like at least there was like windows for me to actually put something in um so on one wall i have the lathe and i have i built a bench that it sits on that stores uh these like five foot tubes of glass underneath and I have it like locked in so to protect it from all the dust because it's not ideal to be doing the nice stuff and the glass stuff in the same space. But I do what I got to do. Um, and so that's that's like on one wall. And then like right next to it is like a bench that's like fireproofed. Uh, and I have my Carlisle CC Plus torch. Um, shout out to Tim Dreyer for hooking that one up. Um, and then two kilns. So I have a small... Uh, paragon glass cone for glass and then i have a larger one that um still needs it's like a three-phase i've it's been like kind of a headache to get that hooked up but i'm working on it um and then i have like another bench that i used to like do all my etching and random stuff on i have my uh, broadbeck on the opposite wall um and uh, setting up my forge there. I, I didn't have a whole lot of room there before. I was like sharing the space, but now I'm like finally getting like my forge um, back in there and uh, a little anvil that Nick Angers like made for me and uh, just some like other stuff to glass. Like there's a bench that has like um, stuff to cut glass and stuff. Um, I actually modded my broadback to help me. Um, do some cold working on the glass as well. Um, but yeah, it's like very modular. I have a bunch of, I can do like wax working. I can do, um, jewelry stuff in there. I can do ceramics. I can make molds. Uh, so it's, it's pretty modular and, uh, pretty organized. I hope (laughs) most of the time, at least, um, a stickler about that. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I've been doing a lot of jewelry in there lately. Um, okay. I wonder, I wonder if you could run a three phase kiln off of VFD, like how we do with grinders. I mean, maybe I the they have. Uh, I just have to mod mod a lot of stuff. Like uh, I need to just call Paragon and um, get new controllers uh, for two different kilns. I have um, a top loading kiln that I'm gonna use for for glass casting. Um, so it, but it has like high, medium, low, which which is not going to cut it. (laughs) I need like (laughs) specific numbers. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what my shop looks like. I have like three kilns. I call it like kiln corner and it's right by the window where all the ventilation is. I have a lathe 
by the by the vent too. Um, and sometimes I just like leave all the doors open. I have a, a it's like a roll up garage door that is pretty much all windows too. So I get a lot of good lighting in there. Um, so sometimes I just when it's not crazy hot, um, I'll just open that door. Um, sometimes I'll like do a lot of grinding outside. Um, all my like major welding and sculpture and stuff that I do. Um, and I actually teach at Austin Community College and they have an amazing metalsmithing program and um, welding department. So uh, because I'm faculty there, I get kind of um, access to to all that stuff over on the Riverside campus. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Haley Woodward. Mm-hmm. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, probably him and uh, Colby Brinkman, they're probably the, I consider them to be the best blacksmiths in the country. For, you know, um, they're amazing. So uh, Haley teaches there. So there's like five power hammers there. And like all the weld, I mean, it's, there's, they're training people to be like proper, like, pipe welders and stuff so there's all kinds of machinery there so that's kind of where I do a lot of my my welding um I do have like an oxycetylene set up in my shop um so it just depends on what I'm trying to do but yeah I I have a lot of I have expensive tastes and tools I have to pick and choose (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think we all do yeah you pick like the most expensive professions like knife makers joke about our tools costing a lot, glass blowing and all that. Oh it's, my god! I know. It's uh, it gets pretty steep. Yeah. So I, want a, I want another hand torch too, and I'm like, God, like why are they so expensive? <laughs> yeah. There's something I'm curious about. So, it's not common for mm-hmm. a man or a woman to be in so many different fields and work with so many different types of materials. Like obviously, for you, it's got to be a natural talent. Does is that in your DNA? Like, do you have like your mom or your dad or your grandparents were craftsmen also? Like, or is this? Are you just you're just the one, the one in the family that? That's a really good question. Um, Yeah, that is a good question. Uh, No, I I definitely black sheep. I was basically raised to be like a little uh, like Mexican princess. You know, my parents are, are conservative Mexican, so I was like supposed to you know have babies at 16 and married and you know just cook for your husband type of thing right (laughs) um and that didn't really vibe well with me um i i don't necessarily think it was uh, a natural talent uh i don't even i have a hard time like you know i guess a lot of people struggle with imposter syndrome but um it was honestly like grit it was just like like my stubborn side just being like i'm gonna figure this out um like i knew the minute i was like learn how to weld i'm like i want to get better at this i'm gonna keep doing this how how can i figure out a way to make a living and like get paid to learn certain things i've also just been lucky to be at the right place at the right time like i I volunteered at a scientific glass line convention and that's how i got met someone that gave me the opportunity to apprentice. Um, so it's, it's a mixture of being proactive, dedicated. I sacrificed a lot to, um, in my twenties, especially to be able to have certain opportunities and to continue doing this. Like a, a lot of my friendships, like suffered relationships. Like I lived out of a suitcase cause I was traveling around a lot. Um, didn't know where I was, you know what I mean? Like coming back to Austin, I'd be like, all right, where am I going to live now? That's, but that's the thing. I always have the knives to hustle. Like I can, I mean, I have no problem like making cash, right? Um, I can always have that to fall back on, uh, that or jewelry or whatever. Um, so that's always comforting. Um, but it's it was mostly uh, a mixture of being like, putting myself out there and like putting in the hours and being really really stubborn. <laughs> Kind of like, um, I think it was, it was either Kobe Bryant or Conor McGregor. One, some major athlete said, uh, uh, what did he say? He said, obsession beats talent 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's, it's easy to see time and time again, like, uh, like what is like, 
opportunity beats like merit a lot of the times. It's a lot of politics. I got into, um, I went to art school because I thought it was like the, the purest thing, you know, industry where it wasn't like corrupted by, you know, politics. And that's the complete opposite. It's all politics. It's all who you know. <laughs> It's all about, like, pay to play. Like, if you have the money to, you know, go to this residency or get your master's or, you know, who do you know who's going to get you in this gallery? Um, and then not to mention all the pretentious bullshit that goes along with it. Um, so um, there's there's a lot of that. But you see it a lot where you're like, this person's way more successful. But you can see the other people that are just, like, kind of hiding in the shadows that are like way, way, way more talented. I see it with knife makers a lot too. Mm. So I yeah. got a question for you, but I'm going to lead with a, a quick question. It just popped in my head. What came first sure. glass knives, you know, what sculpture, what started this whole deal? Sculpture was first. Yeah. Okay. I was in art school. So, um, I was definitely playing around with a lot of materials at the same time. That's actually what I liked about the program at UT. Um, it wasn't like four years of like ceramics or something. Right. Or four years of one thing. Um, so I was doing uh, small metals, like non-ferrous metals. Um, it was like weird, like sculpture, like wearable sculpture. It wasn't like your Etsy stuff. It was like really weird, conceptual, awesome. I really liked that stuff. Um, and then I was doing like sculpture and ceramics painting a little bit of photography um so i was like dabbling in a lot of that stuff but my first job out of college was was glass then i went into machining stuff for um electron microscopes um and so then i <laughs> right <laughs> and, and yeah yeah no pressure yeah, there's no cnc like, there shit. i mean everything that had to be super precise and like there were parts that were like definitely worth more than my car that I was working on. Um, and it all had to work under a vacuum. So I had to, it's just me and some, some calipers and a lot of finger crossing. Um, but I, I was, that job, they, they were really, it was a small company. Um, so as long as I got my work done, uh, they didn't, you know, they were pretty flexible. So I, I started uh, teaching metalsmithing, jewelry fabrication at that time. Um, and I, I still I still do. So my main job here is uh, teaching lost wax casting at the Austin Community College at the jewelry department. Um, it's really a rad job. I love my job. That is awesome. That is awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. So here's wow. my question. Let's mm -hmm. say this is one of those hypothetical things. You ready? Mm -hmm. Let's say you've got a million dollars and you've got every tool that you could ever imagine for glass, for sculpture, for knives, whatever. You've mm -hmm. got zero orders and a week's worth of nothing at all to do. If you walk in your shop and you're only in there for you to do something to have fun, what part of your shop are you going to? Oh, man. That's good, um... <laughs> um... Fortunately, everything's pretty close in my shop. I think it's cheating. <laughs> That's cheating. That is cheating. Um, I'd probably pick up my my welding torch. Yeah. Um, at first, and then I'd switch to the glass. So I like mixing the materials. I don't know if you guys have seen a lot of my sculptures, but I'm trying to like marry the glass and the and the welded sculpture. I've actually been forging um, some of that stuff too. I, I must have actually sold that piece, but. Yeah, I think I would start welding up a geometrical frame that I usually do, like a large piece. Um, yeah, I'm probably like five or six feet long. So fabrication. Yes, yeah. That's how I start all my sculptures um, with the welding. And I usually do oxyacetylene just because, like, um, I use a lot of really thin rod and, like, making wood just create a lot more work for me. Um, so I, like, I also need to, like, sculpt the really fine tips, so I just usually end up um, using oxyacetylene. Um, yeah, that's probably what I would do. <laughs> have, have you ever run into a craft that you haven't mastered? A lot of them. I haven't mastered any of these. <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel like, you know, I still don't feel like I'm, uh, you know, the only reason why I teach jewelry is because I'm like the most comfortable in that, which is ironic. It's like the stuff I think I post the least. Um, but yeah, I still think I have a lot to learn with knife making with, uh, definitely nowhere near mastering glass, nowhere near. I want to what I mean is like, I've tried to learn how to play the guitar like four times. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, uh, yeah. like I painted for a short stint when I lived with my brother, cause he's an artist and it. And that sort of art medium kind of rubs off on you when you're sitting there watching a guy draw all day. You like, you're like, all right, well I'll pick up a pencil too. Yeah. Like, is there anything like that, that like you started and you it just didn't happen. It just, but you always uh, wanted to learn it. I think woodworking is, like, something that, like, I feel like I should know more. And, I mean, I get by, you know. I I know how to use, like, a table saw and, like, a bunch of, you know, I know how to build basic stuff. But as far as, like, you know, um, something intricate, like. Advanced joinery and stuff like that. Yeah, like cabinets and stuff. Like, my friends, you know, do a lot of cabinet installs and things like that where I'm like, hmm. Like, maybe. It's a lot of math, too, um, which I don't mind. But, yeah, I feel like that's something that I'm, like, I should be way more versed in, but I'm, like, "Eh, I don't know. Um, And, yeah, I mean, for example, I never really got in. I should be into screen printing, but I I never really went down that rabbit hole either. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's another cool overlooked, like, craft or hobby screen printing making t-shirts yeah and just prints and things like that i mean i wish i had time to do more 2d things and i kind of dabbled with some of that uh actually the guy who um does a lot of my tattoo works he, he's started encouraging me to like basically transfer my sculptures into prints and so i, I do actually have some on, on my website but um yeah, I guess I just don't market them as much. Um, I, you know, trying to bridge the gap and actually make something more affordable for people. You know, not everyone yeah. has like three hundred bucks to, for a boot knife or whatever. You know. Yeah, you have some awesome tattoos, by the way. I showed some of the geometric ones to my brothers because both of my brothers are tattoo artists, and they said that those are very difficult tattoos to pull off. Um, <laughs> Just like yeah. by the nature of skin and like keeping geometric patterns, you know, all even. Um, well, fortunately, like um, like the artists that I that I choose, like do that. What they do is they do it very well. Um, and Thomas Hooper has been uh, man. Like I, I've been a fan of his for since I was in high school. Like I was so nervous. Like <laughs> like to the first consultation going to him. But this, this is what he does is like complex geometric pattern work. And like, it was, it was a little bit of a collaboration as far as like, you know, um, he would take some of my designs and make patterns with them, which is, which I thought was really awesome of him to do. He's really fast too. Um, And so he would, a lot of the, you know, Damascus design stuff he would incorporate as well. But he knew like, how to like how to plant the seed he's like next time we should like fill this part of your life and i'm like maybe and then i would go home being like okay let's do that. <laughs> i mean he would, he's really good at doing that but he's he's basically like the one who made all that uh like black work mandala uh, geometric stuff popular back in like the 90s even like um, yeah that's awesome his, his name holds a lot of weight for sure it's interesting how tattoo artists like pick their own. Like they have a lot of them, like like Nico Hurtado does portraits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like one of my brothers does portraits. The other one really loves doing cartoony stuff and animals. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's cool to see everybody's style. Um, I I also started well. I dabbled with with uh, tattooing like silicone and stuff like that and putting it in my sculptures because um, it's like kind of I see it as a an offshoot from jewelry so it's like body decoration um, and there's a lot of like history and stuff tied to it but 
yeah, it's different styles. Uh, but yeah, that you know, a lot of those people also are like hustlers, man. They're like, you know, painters doing exhibitions, like hustling, uh, you know, like different prints or uh, making their own machines. And uh, so I actually, it's a, uh, that industry is also really like interesting to me. Yeah. I've been around it a lot, never involved in it other than getting tattooed, but having two brothers own a shop and just That's being cool. around them since I was a teenager, you know, it's weird too. Cause one of them, he's a little lazy and uh, he'll <laughs> just do enough tattoos to be comfortable. And then my other brother works 16 hours a day, seven days a week, just grind it. Yeah. They and, work uh, long hours. Yeah. 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 They're all, like, homework you know it's it never ends for them in that field you know they're always drawing even if they're not in the shop they're drawing yeah for sure it's i uh i love the dedication that they have for it um it it is like oh you know i i dated a tattooer too so it was it was interesting to see like i i learned a lot from him as far as like how to even get into it like kind of paying your dues and like, you know, um, all the, it's still, it's a lot of responsibility. Um, and yeah, the level of work ethic that you need to have just completely dedicate yourself to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, you're gonna, those people are taking that stuff to the grave with them, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's serious. So it's, it's not easy to get into too, you know, I mean, Mm-mm. um, my brother, the first one who was a tattoo artist, he's the oldest, he had to pay like three grand to get an apprenticeship from one of our friends. And like, they almost didn't want to do it. You know, like they hold that ability because uh, one of them explained at one time, why would I teach you to take my breakfast away from me? You know what I mean? Cause yeah. the more tattoo artists there are, the less work you have. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I have friends that they're like, there, there doesn't need to be any more tattooers, and like you know, you can get a, a machine from Amazon now. Like people mm-hmm. are doing that; it's super irresponsible. Um, magicians, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I guess you can make that argument for everything now. You know, um, there's YouTube and yeah. the internet, and so people can like get a torch and start learning how to blow glass on their own, or making knives on their own. And I mean, shoot, I learned a lot from YouTube. <laughs> For sure. Not everything, every- but, you know. Yeah, I learned everything valuable I know from YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of useless stuff, too, which is good. Yeah, a bunch. <laughs> yeah. You go down them conspiracy theory rabbit holes and, like, space is fake and the earth is flat. And, yeah, YouTube's awesome. Yeah, humans are fascinating. Yeah, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Hollow earth theory and lizard people and... Man, you can go down some rabbit holes on YouTube. That's for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Well, before we wrap this thing up today, we, we're not getting close or anything, but I got to make sure that we point something important out. We got a brand new sponsor starting this week. And with our new sponsor, we got a new segment for the show. Ready, Ryan? I'm ready. This is the Patreon Spotlight. Proudly sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. That's right, Maritime Knife Supply, guys. They finally listened, and they sponsor the show. So, it's official now. We're cool now. We're cool now. Yay. I was waiting on the whoop whoop from Ryan, but we'll go with we're cool now. Whoop whoop. Yep. So, what we're going to do, starting this week, is everyone who's a Patreon, we're going to go through the list and read like normal, like we always do. But then we're going to go through, and we're going to randomly pick one of the Patreons, and me and Ryan and our guests, if they want to, are going to go to that person's Instagram page and look them up and talk about them for a minute and just kind of give a shout-out and show some love and all that good stuff. So I'm going to start out by reading the list. We've got 20 Patreons as of right now. we got Donnie Dulovich, KnifeMaterial.at, Aru Bladeworks, Brigham Kendale, Mark LeBlanc, Mark Vanderwerf, Richard Beck at Beck's Armory, Todd Harrington, Dennis Tyrell, Charks Claire Custom Cutlery, Zachary Sowell, Maritime Knife Supply, The Man, Driver Defense Knives, Noah Bloomberg, Crafty Man Forge, Brian Hennenkamp, Echo Blades, Eric Andrews, Bremner Built Knives, and Snake Branch Knife Works. 
So the way we're going to do it, it's going to be numbered from bottom to top of the list. So Donnie's number one and Snake Branch is number 20. And I'm going to go here on this random.org and generate a random number. Got number 19. I wish there was kind of a way to do this live on video. So we're going to look at Bremner Built Knives this week. And we're going to check him out and see what he's up to. Mm. Oh, he's got some nice leather work going on. Yeah. I always appreciate when someone actually puts a lot of effort into their sheets. That's my weakest spot is my leather work. It's fucking horrendous. Oh, yeah. He's killing it. He's stamping his leather and tooling it and all instead of just folding it over and putting some thread in it. He's got a Santuco chef knife on there that's awesome with a leather blade guard he put on there. A little time-lapse video, hammering out some hunting knives. Dude, he's staying busy. Hell, I, yeah, like, sweet. I like the scoot. What is that, a street glide, I think? Harley? You have to correct me if I'm wrong. It looks like a street glide from the front view. It says Harley Davidson Motorcycles. But yeah, yeah, it's a Harley, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, he's That's doing some not awesome all I know work, about dude. bikes, so I can help <laughs> <you> there. <laughs> yeah, my roommate would be better at that. He has like five bikes. Yeah, I used to ride a lot until I kept crashing them. So, oh, he posted a picture of his dog. I'm in. Uh, Ryan's in love. <laughs> That's, yeah, it. Totally. That's all it takes for me. Yeah. What a good looking pup. Oh, yeah, he's really cute. The pup's wearing the knife around his neck. Oh, that's awesome. It's a good model. He's shank somebody. <laughs> what a good dog. I wonder what if his books dog. are open or what he's got going on right now. <laughs> it looks like he's busy as hell, so I would guess that his books are open. Yeah, for um, sure. And that is some clean work, too. Yeah, his stonewash finishes are, are amazing. Yeah. Um, he's only got 339 followers. That's a damn shame. What? We, we got to pump them numbers up. Hell yeah. Y'all go follow this guy, man. He is killing it. Bremner built BB. He is killing it. That's awesome. Yeah, that leather I work see, is killer. I love to see that. He's got way better camera work than I do. I got to work on that. Yeah, that's a big part of what we do, yeah. man, is just even getting that's a decent picture. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think my I problem is I'm, I'm holding my phone. So it's like moving, yeah, and, and not focusing, and yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's 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 it consumes so much time just to like do all that stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah. So guys, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely go check out Bremner Built Knives and give him a follow and all that good stuff. And make sure you go to MaritimeKnifeSupply dot com, our boy Lawrence, and look through what he's got for sale. He has got a little bit of everything. He is the one-stop shop for knife makers. So he's got everything you need. He's got the kilns. He's got the steel. He's got the handle material, pin stock, whatever you need. Go check out Lawrence. Yeah, he's got the grinders too. And the cool thing is he's up in Canada. So for all of our American listeners, you can order from Canada. He still ships every single day he's shipping out. And you can take advantage of that currency exchange. So... Our money is different from theirs. I can't remember exactly. I'll have to Google it which way it goes. But we come out better ordering from Canada with American money. Saves you money doing that exchange rate. So that's worth it. He just got a big shipment of wrought iron in, too. Oh, hell yeah. 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 Nice. Smells like sand mai. Yeah. Well, yep, that's our sponsors, Mara, Maritime Knife Supply and Phoenix Abrasives. Go check them out and give them some love, all that good stuff. And, yeah, uh, definitely check them out. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Actually Lauren, he's, got, he's got heat treat paint now. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to mess with the foil and you're doing stainless like me, oh, I just yeah. ordered some up uh, last night. And it's actually like a third the price of that Condorsol stuff. I think it's like 26 bucks for a container. Instead of seventy five, that's awesome. I need to check that stuff out. I have a ton of stainless that I gotta gotta get through. I've heard it smells like mega nail polish. <laughs> like you know what I mean? I like mean, a lot of the stuff polish. we mess with is like super gnarly, you know. So yeah. 
Just one yeah. more one more chemical in the shop. Why know. not? Yeah. Yeah. Who'd have ever thought getting into all this dirty fire metal wood stuff? We'd have like, like an actual chemical cabinet slam full of shit that can kill you or blow up. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Big steel locked chemical cabinet. My flammables cabinet, which is like right next to the lathe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a good idea. I just have mine out on a shelf like an idiot. Yeah, you do what you can. I mean, I, I mean, I'm getting like I will be so screwed if the fire marshal comes, no matter what. So, so um, is your shop? My landlord, my landlord is like super chill. So okay, that's that's what I was about to say. Is your shop at your house? But I guess not. If you're worried no, about the fire marshal, no. it used to be. Uh, like, it was basically like. Um, a, pandemic situation where like I, I was working out of like my roommate's garage but he had like you know four or five bikes in there and it was like kind of I was getting like cabin fever and I was like well if I'm gonna be stuck in Austin because I was supposed to go back to Chicago to work I'm like if I'm gonna be stuck here I'm gonna like do it right so it took a while to find like a good affordable spot but I did it yeah I think I'd be really discount. I'd be really curious to see how the pandemic, like the metrics on how the pandemic grew the maker community, you know, because I know at least four or five guys who didn't make knives until they got laid off from COVID. Yeah. Had to find yeah. something to do. Yeah. I know a lot of, a lot of people that like went full-time jewelers too, you know, um, like they were bartenders and like were like over it. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting to see, um, Definitely. I'd be curious to see that as well. And now that everything's like stabilizing, but then like the inflation is also like messing with everybody. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how it all unfolds. Yeah. Cause it's almost getting to the point where production stuff that are bought by these, that are sold by these corporations that are jacking up the prices cause they feel like it is almost as expensive as handmade. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're yeah. going to spend that little extra and get something that somebody actually made you or, you know, something that was made in a Chinese sweatshop because those exist. Yeah. I mean, well, but most of the time when like people are buying from you, you're, you're counting on people and investing in you as a person. Like, right. You can get a $20 knife at Academy, like, or a gas station. Like, yeah, but they, they, they're choosing you for a reason. And that those are the patrons we need, you know, um, and then it's like, that's, I feel like uh, client education is like a huge part of this um, for sure. Because I mean, you know, our prices are going to have to go up. Like every, all my consumables are more expensive and that goes, that needs to, you know, I'm, maybe that's like part, partly why I'm glad for Fortune 5 people are like getting a little bit more educated about how like, I mean, granted, I don't think it's uh, feasible to make a decent knife in three hours, but um, it's just my, my take on it. Um, but, or maybe I'm slow, who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think educating the people on the process and how like labor intensive it is and all that stuff is, that's the great thing about Instagram. You can kind of share that, but, um, definitely appreciate all the people that are supporting everyone. You know, we need, we need those people. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't imagine making a knife in three hours and maybe I'm slow also. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't make a knife in a day, you know, right. if I had all day to do it, you know, heat, I mean, I'm doing I've stainless seen, too. I've so seen. the heat treats a little different. You got to cryo it and everything. Right. Like that. That's, that's my whole point is like, I mean, he, uh, I guess I hate treating a kiln too. And like heat treating alone takes like five hours. Right. Uh, approximately depending on the steel and whatnot. But, um, I know people are just, uh, using the forge in that show but and i i have seen uh people finish a knife in a day for sure um i've seen people that are really really fast at what they do um but not it's not three hours no. <laughs> made out of um, a coil spring yeah yes yes well, that's what i meant i threw the word decent in there <laughs> yeah yeah well i got yeah. one more question for you and yeah what's up? you can tell me to fuck off that's okay i'm just <laughs> I'm looking at you and I'm listening to you and like, you're so busy and you know, so many things 
and you're just, you know, you're all over the place. You're traveling. You're everywhere. I know you're not supposed to ask a lady this, but how old are you? I'm 34. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know. We normally ask all of our guests that, and it went through my head. I'm like, you're not supposed to ask ladies that. Jesus, okay. that was tame. I didn't know where that was going. I was getting a little scared. No, I was I was just no, thinking, no, like, yeah, you've got yeah, such I a list like, of like, accolades. I, like, tease myself. Like, I definitely feel, like, way older than I am. Like, I go to bed early and stuff now. I'm, like, kind of over partying and all that. But, no, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I have to tell my students that, too, they don't, like, take me seriously. You know, I'm, I've been teaching for a decade. Like, yeah. So, yeah, it's been a wild ride for sure. Well, that is freaking awesome. Huh? How old are you? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I think I'm 39. Uh, I haven't old. kept count in, like, years and years. I, I know I'm not quite 40 yet. I think I'm 39. Doesn't really yeah. matter. I turned 25. I saved some money on car insurance. And what, what else is there? You know what I mean? Now you're just getting older. There's no more I discounts. Can, I can drink. I can smoke. Like my insurance is where it's at. There's not another cool birthday. A little more. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. just hurts longer. Yeah. I'll be 37 yeah. this year. Can you see this fly that's flying around me? Oh God! Not another fly, you, Ryan. Dude, he's gonna get it. There's no food in this garage or nothing. I don't get it. Sons of bitches. Yeah. He keeps landing on the brim of my hat. You got to get you one of those mm-hmm. salt things. The little salt guns. I've got one. <laughs> I have like a little like one of those little like lights in my shop that like zaps bugs. I hear it go oh, off all zapper. the time and it makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mosquitoes are a huge oh. issue out here for sure. Oh god, yeah, we call them swamp birds here. I live right on the oh, edge yeah, of a swamp. Right. I and... lived in Georgia for a while. Oh I god, lived in Savannah. Oh well, at least Savannah's pretty. Most of yeah. it. There's some most, so most of it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think the gnats were more of an issue than, than yeah, anything. bad mama jam. At least gnats don't oh, bite. Yeah, though. is that a water gun? No, it's salt. You put table salt in it, no and it'll obliterate a fly. I uh, need to get one of those. It takes a couple funny. shots to kill a wasp, but it will kill a wasp. You get real mm. close, it'll blow them to pieces. <laughs> they, they sell a CO two powered one, but it's like two hundred and something dollars. I'm not going to spend two hundred and something dollars on a bug right. to kill, a gun to kill bugs. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I would just take hairspray and a lighter and get all the cockroaches that way. Yeah, and that's where the pyro started. Thing. <laughs> I know it's like it's been instilled in me as a child. I don't know. No, it's pretty sadistic, I guess, but it worked. It worked. Yeah. Cockroaches are not allowed in my room. No. <gasps> Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got him. There you go. Good shot. There we go. All right, Andrew. Sorry. Well, we appreciate Sorry, you coming on here with us. It has definitely been fun. And uh, Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Ryan told me who was going to be on this week. He's like the go-to guy to book everybody. So he told me your name. Oh, I was like, damn, dude, awesome. Don't do that on the air. You know how many messages I'm going to get now? You know how many I'm not going to get? <laughs> yeah if you want to be a guest dm ryan he'll take care of you so we're, is that a doggy What's yeah he snuck in here um this is beetlejuice nice, nice. um yeah i post i posted him all the time he's actually my my roommates but he, he's secretly mine <laughs> he's my little road buddy um yeah super chill Half dog, half puddle, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I love my dogs. I spoil the fuck out of them. Sometimes to a detriment. I they're, mean, they're, they're princesses. You have to have them. You have to have them around. Yeah. Yeah, he's hanging out. Jason's not a dog guy. He's not with us on this. My animals are in the man. yard. They feed me. I get <laughs> eggs and meat and all kinds of good things. So, From your ducks? Ducks, chickens, rabbits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want yeah. chickens. Yeah, they make messes yeah, and they stink. But they're pretty cool. They keep that the ticks down. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. All what right, guys. About? Well, I think we're getting ready to wrap it up. Unless y'all want to keep trucking, that's fine with me. Whatever you guys want to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> me. 
<laughs> well, we'll go ahead and call it a day. And if we think of anything else, we're going to invite you back on here. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Um, I actually like, really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, we try not to keep it, you know, or try to keep it not so formal, just bullshitting. But, you know, when there's an interesting story, we like to hear it. So. Sounds good. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Keep on hustling and keep on grinding. I cut you off. Yeah. It was. It was a good one. It was a really good one. Yeah.